0: Welcome everyone. This is the Pencil Den podcast, the show where two working artists and creators chat with guests. I'm Ingrid
1: and I'm Lindsay. We're going to be discussing so many interesting subjects with you guys. Art, uh, sketch cards, collecting, publishing, tools, materials, all sorts. Perhaps we can finally understand why we all do this to ourselves.
0: hey welcome to the show everybody today we're going to speak to harris tozer who is involved with uh, non-sport magazine and of course the philly non-sport convention welcome to the show harris it's so nice to have you on on short notice
2: thank you very much thanks for having me on
1: hi harris it's hi so how lovely. are you oh, i'm very well today thank you yeah. um i thought i would like to start by asking you about um non sport magazine what's your role there and and how it got started i'm, I'm
2: very interested to hear well, how it all began sure uh, it started out as a family run magazine we started in 1990 um the prices in sports cards were pretty volatile at that time and uh people in sports cards wanted to there there were strikes going on too baseball card a uh, baseball union strikes and people We're looking for things to get involved with. They got involved with non-sport and they came to us and they said, Hey, we're going to make the prices go way up, way up. And we didn't really want to see that. So we got involved at that point. There was no price guide for non-sport cards at that point. And we got involved as a family run business with, with another gentleman. And um, we started a price guide and a magazine. And that was in 1990. Uh, I was actually working full-time for someone else at that point point. Um, But I was, um, I did the subscriptions and things like that from the start. And then I came on board full time with the third issue, which was 1991. And from 1990 through 2016, um, we uh, published a magazine as a family run uh, publication with my mother and father. And uh, in 2016, we, we sold the magazine to Beckett. And uh, I still work for the magazine. My parents do not. But uh, the magazine continues to go. And it's 32 years later now.
0: Wow. 32 years. That, yeah. Wow. That's outstanding.
2: I know. It kind of blows my mind if I uh, stop and think about it. <laughs> Was it
1: difficult in the beginning to get subscribers and subscriptions? I mean, how did you go about
2: getting people interested in your magazine? Well, it, it I guess it was and it wasn't. I mean, it, it actually predated the internet, really. Um, we used to do a lot of card shows. Uh, we were always the the odd man out because we would have non-sport there and every, everyone on sports cards. So we were kind of like the non-sport people. Uh, my mother is known as like the non-sport queen. Um, and people knew us, which really helped with advertising. We, we were kind of um, I guess well respected or whatever. We we were able to get ads fairly easily in the beginning because of our contacts, and um, you know, there, I think there was a hunger for for a publication about non sport cards uh, at that point. You know, th- there was there was one other publication, but there was no price guide, and um, you know, we we were the only ones really covering the new releases, and there were a lot of new releases at the time. There were new companies coming on. That was when Upper Deck really started. Uh, to enter non-sport. Impel Marketing came around, who later became Skybox, which later became, I guess it's now an imprint of Upper Deck, but there were new companies coming in. Topps was really upping their game at the time. And um, it it was, you know, it kind of went from there. And in like the mid-90s, it really ballooned. There were just trading cards, everything at that point. But uh, anyway... That's so, how, how it came to be.
0: So d- now that the internet is m- much stronger and there's so much dig- digital stuff, do you find it a challenge to keep a print magazine going, or, or?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's tough. You know, we're we're certainly never going to get the the word out there before the uh, internet does. You know, with a magazine and long lead times um, that haven't really changed in all these years. Um, it's, it's always competition. So we, we've got to find other ways of, uh, informing our collectors. And, uh, that's what we always look into doing. Um, but you know, people, uh, still like, you know, our people are physical people. They like things. So, um, we hear time and time again, um, uh, you know, I prefer a magazine. I I don't want digital this. I don't want digital that I, I want you know, I want sketch cards in my hand. I want trading cards in my hand. I don't want digital cards. I want a magazine, you know. Um, you can read the magazine. You know, we're available for the iPad, but people still want the magazine. It really goes hand in hand with, with the collectors.
0: So for you, you don't really see a demise for the magazine. There will always be a crowd for it, won't there?
2: Yeah, I think so. I, I really think it goes hand in hand with uh, with the mentality of collectors.
1: Interesting. So do you cuz also did you start the non-sport card convention?
2: What uh we was actually it? we actually no we actually did not. Uh the mag- the uh, the Philly non-sport card show was started by Frank and Phyllis Richter who um lived in Philadelphia and uh were friends of ours and they started it in the mid 80s um and they ran it very successfully for many, many years, but uh, at one point in towards their 50th show, um, it was starting to um, become a burden for them financially and everything else. Uh, And they came to us and asked if we wanted to uh, go in with them. And we went in with them for quite a number of years until later we ended up buying it. And um, we moved locations at that point, made some changes, it uh, started to become, you know, much better financially, and um, we've done pretty well with it. We've now, I guess, run, I don't know, maybe 30 shows Then since that time.
1: It's the only convention I've ever heard of that, that concentrates just on
2: cards, and especially like, like, say, non-sport cards. Yeah, non-sports. It's pretty unique. Um yeah, people have a hard time wrapping their head around that because they're used to pop culture shows or comic shows or maybe one dealer at a sports card show. But yeah, we're uh, all non-sports. So yeah. describe, I'm sorry,
0: describe a little bit um, what is actually at your show for people, for instance, who, for people who are maybe not so, so knowledgeable about a, a convention. What, what, are, what are they going to find at your convention?
2: They are going to find dealers who are selling old and new non-sports and pretty much only non-sports. So we'll have somebody there selling tobacco cards from, you know, from the tobacco era from way back when. Uh, We will have people there selling cards from the 50s and 60s with, you know, classic television shows and things like that. And then we'll have lots of dealers are selling the newest stuff. Um, and it's all non-sport, like I said. And then we will also have artists at the show. We always have a small artist alley, so to speak, uh, with four or five, six artists who create some of the cards that everyone is uh, used to seeing. Uh, I think somebody we know, Ingrid, is going <laughs> to be at the upcoming show. Um, and uh, we also have manufacturers there. Um We have like, for example, at the upcoming show, Cryptozoic will be there, House Archives will be there. Uh, We have Sidekick uh, Labs will be there. And a couple of other manufacturers will be at the upcoming shows. And then promos, promos are always a big uh, part of the show. We give out promos when people come in the door and then uh, a lot of the manufacturers and the artists give out promos. And that's a big part of the show as well.
0: I had no idea that Promos were so popular, I have to say. It's only in the past, I don't know, maybe the past year that I've discovered that promo cards, people really like them.
2: They really do. It's like a hobby onto itself. Yeah. It really is.
0: Why is that so? Is it just because there's only one or
2: um uh, that's a good question. Um I think maybe at one point it was because there were not a lot of promos and people felt that they could you know get uh get them all or get a majority of them um now of course some releases have six and seven different promos so there's a lot and it's hard but you know it's it's i don't i don't know it's a it's a good question maybe it's a question for uh the reader for the listeners out there and the viewers out there
1: (laughs) i'm hoping to gain more interest in sketch cards here in the uk um started attending cons and things. Um, would you have any advice at all on how to go about trying to gather the interest? Because a lot of people have never heard of them and they don't know what they are. Um, even the printed sets, that they, they, um, they're kind of out of the loop in the UK a little bit.
2: Yeah, yeah. I used to actually come over and do a UK show for years. I did uh, memorabilia in, in Birmingham. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, I used to do, I did that maybe 10 or 12 years or something like that, and I loved going over there, but um, I will say you're right, you know, there were a lot of people that didn't know trading cards existed, and, you know, it was kind of funny because they're coming to a comic show or, or whatever, and the cards are a lot of the same subjects, you know, but they had no idea that there were cards for this and that and the other thing. Um, it's it's really an awareness thing. I don't know. It's It's just getting the word out that, that the cards exist for their, you know, for the shows that they're already watching or for the artists that they're already following and things like that. Well, when mm-hmm. I did
1: my last Comic-Con, you know, people were coming up and I had a, I had a few promo cards on my table. huh. I, I was just so surprised how they knew absolutely not, what's this? And, and the collectible collectible, tra- I mean, I remember them from being a kid. I mean, I don't know if they're that, um, like you were saying in the nineties, they were everywhere. So I don't right. know if I'm just missing out on learning about them when they, when they were kids. Or? Yeah,
2: that's a problem, too. I mean, kids right now are not collecting cards. Unfortunately, there's so many other things. And you give, unfortunately, now you give kids cards and they go, oh, what do they do? You, know? um, you can't swipe point. on
0: them or anything.
2: Yeah, so <laughs> that's a problem, too. But I have a
0: feeling it's like, you know, jeans from the 70s, unfortunately, they keep coming back. So I would uh, I would be willing to bet that somebody who's well known down the road is going to be like, "Hey, I'm cool. I like cards." And then everybody will be into cards again. Lindsay right. you and I are going to have to put together um you and I are going to have to put together a, a UK uh, convention.
1: I'll just start <laughs> spamming some celebrities with some promo <laughs>
2: good idea you put the put the uh, show together and i'll come over
1: oh awesome
0: okay let's get on it Lindsay.
2: <laughs> i would love to like i say with
1: the um with the conventions that are coming up i am going to start trying to sort of push it i just need to find a way to advertise it that's going to grab people's attention right you know, advertise it for the whole um for the whole market not
2: just me you know yeah. these exist <laughs> Coming maybe up the up. maybe the UK sketch artists can band together and somehow do something. I don't know what, but even here in artists. Canada,
0: even here in Canada, they I mean sketch cards they they are known, but it's not like it's not a, not even close to like what it is in the in the US. Yeah, um, like Montreal, which is about forty five minutes from where I am right now. They, before the pandemic, they used to have a a convention, but it was mostly, there were sketch card artists, a few, because there are one or two in Montreal, I think, or at least near around there. Uh, But it would be mostly comic books, Uh, you'd get uh, some of them, Star Trek people would would be there and, and things like that. I went as a tourist one time and cards, it's like, you know, maybe one or two tables and that's about it. Toronto, I think there's a bit more, but that's yeah. So i that the
2: Toronto show is pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah, but that's really expensive for people who. Um, it's really expensive for people who want to have a table there. It's it's is it? It's un unaffordable. I mean,
2: okay,
0: just can't do it. Well, not from not for little people like myself. Uh, that's just not not doable. So, what do you see as the future for the convention?
2: For the Philly show.
0: Yeah, do you see it growing? Do you have a strong base for the convention?
2: Yeah, we do have a strong base. We have a lot of collectors that come every time or almost every time. Um, We just moved the show. The last show was kind of unique because um, it was the first one that we ran after not running, I think, four shows. It was the first run after the pandemic. So that was kind of something to start with. And then we also moved locations. Um, The Philly show, the one kind of funny thing about the Philly show is it's actually never been in Philadelphia. It's uh, been in suburbs of Philadelphia and then it even moved to Allentown, uh, which is a city not, uh, as you guys may or may not know, is a a whole other city. We always joke that if it moved to China, it would still be called the Atlanta Sport Card Show. But uh, we're now back in the Philadelphia area. Um, anyway, so we had to deal with a new, you know, a new hall last time. And, um, but people, you know, seem to really like it. They followed us to the, to the new place. It's not that far away from Allentown and, um, it's, you know, continued to do very well and we're very happy with the way things are going.
0: That's really awesome. Um, I was thinking, what do you think, uh, well, you, you've just changed location. So I've heard online that it's actually a much nicer place. So it, right. are you getting used to it? Are you setting up well? And
2: Yeah, definitely getting used to it. Um, you know, it was kind of like growing pains or something last time with having to deal with, you know, we were so used to the way things laid out at the Merchant Square Mall. That was where we were running yeah. it in Allentown. Uh, so we had to used to how things laid out, where food vendors were going to be, where uh people were gonna come in and all that kind of stuff. So we now have one show under our belt and uh that's that's very helpful.
0: I can't wait to go. I can't wait to, yeah, can't
2: to wait to play. see you there. It's only a, a week or so away now. I, I wish can. I could go. <laughs> yeah I wish you could too. Wish I, you could come. That would be so amazing. That would be awesome. How many do you do a year? Is it annual or do you do a few? We do two a year. It's always spring and fall. So. Oh wow yeah, and the, the uh, spring one's coming up on May 21st and 22nd.
1: Do you have, um, do you have people filming, there and putting it on social media as the day uh, goes? There's
2: on? some of that, yeah. We, we don't do that, but we've had people that um, do that. We've had a couple of uh, inquiries this time from uh, press, from various press outlets. So I think there'll be a couple people there doing that. Um, and I know collectors do it as well. Do you collect yourself? Uh, I do collect. Uh, we have. We still have a uh, um, a big collection of non-sport cards. We we maintain, you know, our collection from from when I was a kid. Um, and then I collect other things myself. I have a pretty large collection of CDs. Uh, I'm really into music, so I, I have a ton of CDs and CD singles. Uh, things like that. Do you that.
1: love the album? I I love the uh, CD artwork and, and the covers. Yeah.
2: Yeah, actual, do you have do you have a favorite? I like since I grew up in the 80s, I I like 80s music. So, I um, like my 80s music and I continue to like those bands that, you know, are still around to this day uh recording new music. So, you know, there's there's they're still out there and I still buy their stuff. I do do some of the digital stuff these days, but I do still love, you know, a CD release. Um, I have all my vinyl from when I was a kid. I don't really buy vinyl anymore, but- I was uh, gonna
0: ask that if you still collect vinyl and- uh, Yeah,
2: I still have all my vinyl from when I was a kid. Uh, I had 45s and I have albums and I love looking at it. And I love new vinyl, but I don't really have a working record player right now. And I don't really play records, so. But, you know, I still appreciate it. And well, I've got a little, um, we've got a
1: little music studio at the bottom of the
2: garden. And it's just,
1: okay. just covered in CDs. Yeah. But, like, you know, you, you end up listening to stuff just on the computer, don't you? It's very rare. Yes, I, I do. To grab the CDs,
2: to be honest. But I do yeah. still like to have them. Like, I hoard them. <laughs> if, I, if I flipped my my uh, computer around <laughs> right now, you'd see uh, racks of uh, CDs. But, um. Yeah, I, I do listen to almost everything on my uh, computer or on my my phone. But years ago, you know, I ripped everything that I wanted, but I cannot part with the CDs. And sometimes I do, um, you know, depending if I have a night in or something, I might listen to three or four CDs from the same band. Just I don't know. I really enjoy doing that, It, you know,
0: it's kind of like books. It's it's really nice to collect like hardcover books or soft covers. or But I mean, paper books, you know, it's really nice. But I'll admit even I do like have being able to have a, a digital version that you can bring around and yeah. it doesn't take up so much room in your suitcase or whatever. Right. <laughs> there are it's nice
2: to nice to pick up with, uh, you know, on another device. It definitely has a lot of advantages, but there's something about holding the, the book or the C D or the album in your hands.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um so well,
2: I like about
1: about collecting cards because you can store them so easily. Right. Like, I'm a bit of a toy collector as well and most of it's in loft and I can't even look at it because <laughs> it's the space so you know that might be an angle I might go to in trying to get people interested in trading cards you can collect loads and they don't take up any room. That's
2: a good point <laughs> yeah that is a good point
0: it is actually uh, it's part of, the, part of the tags I sometimes use you know miniature art you can collect being able to collect so much stuff on a if you're not if you're in a really small apartment you can easily have a really nice collection nonetheless right you don't have to have a whole mansion to be able to hang a huge painting or, or anything right like
2: that. right yeah it's definitely one of the uh most compact collectibles out there so what what do you need like when you're when you're
1: running your convention what are the main things that you need to set up i mean Obviously, you need to get all your traders in. Um, I'm not quite sure how, how that
2: works. Well, we, um, you know, all the tables and stuff like that is set up for us by the, uh, by, by the hall. But we still have a lot of work beyond that. And we have to dress all the tables. We uh, have to pack all the promos, which is a big undertaking, you know, depending on how many we get. We, we make up promo packs to hand out to collectors as they come in and we try to do all that ahead of time. So it takes a while to put all those together. Um, We have to make sure.
1: How do people go about submitting their promos to you to go in the pack or
2: do you choose, how does that work? Uh, They just come to us and you know, we tell them what the requirements are, how many we need. um it's it's pretty easy um but they just have to have enough printed and some people like like ingrid for example who are actually going to be at the show will hand them out themselves so we have that going on too we used to have so many in fact that somebody would make up a list of all the available promos and where to go around the show floor to get them um it's not quite as crazy now but there's still a lot i mean ingrid will have them Cryptozoics giving some away written house archives is giving some away there's, there there may or may not be some at the dinner that we have I don't, I don't know anything about that um, but you know there's various places where um, promos are handed out uh, um, so back to your question yeah and the other thing that we always we, we always rely on friends for help um, it does take a lot to run the show you know as far as taking money um, making sure everything is in its right place. We 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 maintain our own tables at the show, so we need staff for that. So, it's it's a bit of an undertaking, you know, with a little help from our friends, as as the song goes.
0: About how many people do you usually get attending the show? Um,
2: t- it's not huge numbers. I'd say uh, around five, six hundred, something like that.
0: Oh, it's still a still a lot of people. Yeah, sure. Would you like to talk a little bit about this upcoming show? Do you do you have any like? S- special guests or, or um, what, how is it going to be run? How is it going to be working for people who don't know anything about it?
2: All right. Well, the upcoming show, like I said, is May 21st and 22nd. Uh, we have four artists there at this time. We have, we, we have you, Ingrid. We have now I'm going to, you're putting me on the spot. Cause I'm going to forget. We have uh, Jeff Zapata coming in. We have uh, James Warhola coming and James is the um, nephew of Andy Warhol. Actually, Warhola was the family name, but he changed it to Warhol. But uh, James Warhola is coming and Chris Meeks is coming. Um, Chris, Chris is also another sketch artist and he's, he's awesome, as are everybody else. Um, so we have those four artists. And uh, as I said, we have, um, let me think about the manufacturers. We have yeah. Cryptozoic, Rittenhouse, Sidekick, we have uh, Mark Pingatori, who also is an artist, but also runs his own uh, company called um, Magic Marker Art. So he'll be set up there, um, both as an artist and a manufacturer. And maybe forgetting one or two art uh, manufacturers, but we we have an auction company that sets up two, I think they're called The Collector Connection. And and we have all the promos that we'll be giving out. We also have uh, Atom Bomb coming. He um, he came last time. It's a uh, gentleman who has a Tops authorized approved um, Garbage Pail Kid um, costume. He was quite popular at the last show. It's really something to see, and you can come and get your photo taken with Adam Bomb. You know the character, the main character from Garbage Pail Kids, with his head exploding, and uh, it makes a really good selfie if you're into Garbage Pail Kids
0: that's amazing yeah um, so you you this is the for people who come to visit they can come and just walk in and browse the
2: tables and all that stuff and i think that's right that's it. right and um it's really nice you know a lot of times you go to sports card shows and you see um so, uh celebrities and sports stars and they're charging a zillion dollars for their autographs I mean, we're kind of more Old fashioned, we don't, you know, none of the artists, I don't think we've ever had an artist ever actually charge for an autograph. Uh, of course, all the artists are there to sell their stuff, their sketch cards, their books and things like that. And those, of course, you you, you pay for and we hope that you'll uh, support the artists. But um, it's pretty old fashioned because it's, it's pretty cheap to get in. Um, there's no exorbitant cost for any of that kind of stuff. Um, it's real laid back.
0: Has the pandemic had a big effect on uh, the way you run things or how people are showing interest in, is there like more interest in coming to the show, do you feel, or? Um, I think there was a real pent-up
2: interest in coming to the last show because it was the first one after two years. I I really, but the one downside was we did require um, vaccinations at the last show, which was a bit of a sticking point, I will say. we're not requiring anything this time because conditions are a lot better now than they were in, I guess it was October of last year. Um, but um, the pandemic, um, well, I mean, of course, it we couldn't run four shows in a row. So that was a pretty big deal. Um, but it did help, I think, a little bit last show because of the pent-up interest in coming back.
0: People are just, clamoring to get across
2: the board now (laughs) they are yeah they're clamoring to get back to normal and a lot of the collectors come to the Philly show spring and fall so that's kind of normal for us you know and going two years without it is not great
0: it feels really weird because here in Canada like we still have to wear masks everywhere I mean everywhere and now we don't have to show right proof of vaccination thank goodness but um of course it's better to be vaccinated but you don't have to show proof of vaccination or anything but we do still have to wear masks that's going to be right probably till next week so it's strange to hear Lindsay talk about in the UK how like pandemic what pandemic and now down in the (laughs) in the US it's pretty chill I think so
2: it is. I th- I still think you'll see some people with masks at the show, but yeah, it's not required. Um, and there'll be, fortunately or unfortunately, there'll be lots of people there with- without masks. So,
0: well, I I, th- I think it's all gonna go really really well. Kitty, um, Kitty, I'm sorry. <laughs> really love,
2: we were speaking to
1: um a, a Chinese collector the other day, and it's saying over there they've started doing like little card shows. Okay. They all kind of get together and bring their collections and sit around the table and show each other what they oh, cool. really love to build that kind of environment so people aren't just going around biting but they're sort of showing each other like what they love and uh, being able to comment on other people's collections that would be lovely, yeah.
2: That's, that's good. so good, yeah. We, was- we've had some like things kind of like that, we've had some trading sessions and things like that, but. I don't know we probably could use more of that that that's a great angle that's
0: really something nobody does that anymore to just sort of enjoy collecting
2: yeah just yeah yeah it's nice to show other people uh, your favorites and things like that and yeah there really isn't much of that mm, we need we need more of
1: that <laughs> right we do we do i'll do my best here in the uk <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm gonna be after you on that one to to get that show going again. And then you have to come over here, Lindsay. And we'll get it started. We'll kickstart it a bit here too.
2: The international tour.
0: International oh, tour. Too. Totally up for that.
1: I what? hate traveling though. <laughs> I love it when yeah. I get there. It's the traveling I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need teleporters as soon as possible. I know that would be awesome. I really um, would be. So well, it doesn't get in there with you. in trouble is there anything
0: about the show you'd like to let people know um something they should bring kids are welcome i'm sure yeah kids are
2: welcome we we have um we have set we'll have several um um sorry a little lost for words which is great on a podcast um (laughs) we'll have several door prizes uh, and we have some kids focused door prizes. So bring your kids. They, they might win a prize and we have door prizes for adults too, of course. Um, we don't really see enough kids at the show. That's, that's kind of a shame. So bring your kid and, and absolutely help them to, help them to enjoy, you know, what, what, what is fun about the hobby. You got to really explain
0: it to what- them. That's what got all of us into uh, cards and stuff like that. It was when you're a kid and you had all of that. So, yeah, it's really that's exciting.
2: right. That's how I got involved. And I think that's probably how most of us got involved. I was playing with the idea of
1: having, like, you know, blank sketch cards, especially for kids to draw on. Well, that's and a good, good like, idea. You don't really want to charge them for it, though, because they're, they're just little kids. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know. That might be nice to give them free promo cards
2: to draw on. And, right, you know, right. Yeah, that's a great idea. It really is a good idea.
0: Yeah, I didn't think of that.
2: Lindsay, and I kind of introduced them idea. also to what, what a sketch card is.
0: Mm. What a sketch card is, and that it, it doesn't have to be just trading cards or just sketch cards. It can be all kinds of
1: different things. Kids are always so much more interested when they've done something themselves, though. That's I mean, right. if I helps me make his dinner, he eats it all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hand in it. So oh i'll make a note hopefully get that going. <laughs> that's an that's that's really a good idea well i think
2: uh
0: i think i pretty much covered everything um oh w- one more thing uh, sure. will you have, will you have any magazines available at the show for people to get
2: well um that's a good question too you know um we do not beckett is not setting up at the show but we usually have a couple of the dealers like ed webb for example i don't know if, you yes. guys know him or not? But he always has a—he always has the current issue, and he usually has the back issues and things like that. So you can d- generally find them available from him. Um, and there's usually a couple of other um, people, <coughs> excuse me, dealers that have magazines available for sale.
0: The magazine uh, is super interesting to read. I I, I don't you. have a subscription, unfortunately. It gets to be a bit pricey when it's across the border, right? Into especially into Canada or Quebec and stuff, but. Um, it's always interesting to read, and you always have such interesting articles about uh, all kinds of different things, really. Are you you are planning to continue the magazine, I hope? Oh
2: yeah, yep, yep. Yep. the magazine will go on. It will go on. Um, and you know we're, we're do you have any
0: do you have any future plans for the magazine, like like expanded articles or new
2: topics that you might cover or something like that? Well, we're always trying to mix it up, you know, more and more we're trying to cover vintage stuff, which for a while we we didn't cover as much, but we're covering now kind of a mix of the new and the old. So that is kind of our focus right now, trying to cover the latest releases, but also some of the classics, too. You see, we're doing more and more uh, vintage covers, too, which we didn't used to do. That's awesome. Um,
0: you have a price guide with your magazine, I believe. That's right.
2: That's do print, right.
0: Do, do people really get a lot of use out of a printed price guide? Is it something that you might consider? They
2: do. They do. Um, but the, the price guide um, for the last, I don't know, maybe 20 years or something has been one of the toughest parts of the magazine. Um, you know, it was tough for us when we ran it as a family business. And it's tough for Beckett as, as a bigger corporation. Um, and when I, when I say that, what's tough about it is there's so many releases and the releases have gotten so much more complex. You know, back in the day when we started the magazine, there would be a set would have 66 cards and 11 stickers. And that was it. <laughs> Sometimes they didn't even have the stickers. And now, you know, there's autographs, promo cards and um, parallel cards and just and, and there'll be, you know, three kinds of that and four kinds of that. And I'll. 25 kinds of that. So the release listings physically have gotten much, much, much longer. What we could do before on two lines now might take, you know, 40 lines or something like that. So it's really hard in print. So we have to be very selective about uh, what gets printed. And uh, we have a team that basically works on that. That's one thing I'm really not involved with is the price guy, but they do a good job. And um, it's just tough. Cause you're never going to please everybody. The uh, one thing that you buy the magazine for might not be in that time or something like that. But there's just, if we covered everything in the price guide, it would be, you know, 600 pages or something like that. It's it's tough. And, you know, Beckett does maintain a um, an online price guide. So that is one way collectors can find prices. Do you... Uh,
0: you have a you have a forum, I believe, don't you? A
2: website. We do. The, yep, the magazine uh, has uh, card talk that we've run for a long, long time. Um, and, and do uh, you
0: find that people are using forums less than before?
2: Um, maybe you know it's it's really at one point you know I think there was really only one or two places to go. And then there were three or four places to go. And now there's maybe 20 or 30 places to go. So I feel like it's kind of gotten scattered and um, maybe there's less usage at one specific place, but overall, maybe there's more than there used to be. I don't know, but I just I just kind of feel like there's many places you can go now between forums and Facebook and all kinds of other groups and people are doing Zoom calls and and all kinds of different things now. So, um,
0: what works best for you as a, as part of a company? Of course, you're not alone about it. With you're with Beckett, but what works best for your for the company you're involved with? Forums, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Is it? A I, think you're to, I think you
2: have. I think you kind of have to be everywhere. I, everywhere. I, I mean, it, it's tough, but I think you really kind of have to. Be spread out because people want to find you on whatever platform that they're using. So oh, we do. So uh, time consuming. <laughs> what's that?
0: It's so time consuming.
2: It is time consuming, yeah. But uh, we have different people that do different things. I mean, I I'm kind of hands on with with our forum and the, the uh, Facebook page, but we have a couple of other people here who will do stuff with uh, Twitter, with uh, Instagram, things like that. So. It kind of it takes a village these days. I don't know. It's it's really tough.
0: Which one do you get the most feedback from?
2: Well, I'm trying
0: to, I'm, tr- I'm sorry, I'm trying to convince Lindsay to kind of you know spread out a little bit. Yeah. So which one do you get the most feedback from?
2: I I guess probably our forum, I I guess, because really? interesting. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. We have a We have a specific one of our categories is specifically the magazine so it's a good opportunity for people to say they liked a certain article or they didn't like a certain article or they didn't get their magazine or or whatever but it's uh i don't know it's it's probably where where i see the most of it
0: is your magazine available in any other language besides english by any chance
2: um no it is not not no i don't think so i was trying to think if there was a digital version but uh, no, no, just English. That
0: was a random question, but I, I know that.
1: Uh, oh, at... The the Chinese collector market is just blowing up at the moment. Really, yeah. uh, that I was not aware of. Mm. I'm getting so so many orders from from and, China. It's ridiculous. And
0: this is just in the past uh, what I think of two years, years Lindsay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to two but years. What is the uh,
2: most popular thing right now in China? Oh, the like in Marvel. I made some notes. Um,
0: Marvel, they're really liking uh, the well. From the person that we talked to, uh, whose interview will be, I released, I think, in early June. He said that what they really like over there, they have a strong um, respect of mythology and history, and uh, they really like to see. Uh, they really like to see sets that are based around, um, not always photographs they kind of like the slightly more creative parts so okay. far of course it's pretty new over there but it's, it Lindsay is right it's really just Great.
1: It's yeah, a translated version for those guys because oh. they love your books don't they but you know some of them can't read it read it so yeah and yeah. they
0: also have a lot of trouble they would like to participate in uh, in facebook groups or forums or things like that but most of them don't know english of course yeah and, and they're all- well we all know how google translate works <laughs> so, yeah so yeah there is a market there
2: okay it's very interesting yeah well <laughs> this
0: is me this is something we learned um there i have to take my hat off uh, Perna studios i think i think it's okay to mention that that Perna studios has really done a lot in that department because their sets are so based on on artwork and original art
2: well that i I must say that when you you just said you know that they're really into mythology and things like that that was the first thing that came to mind i don't know if maybe this is something silly i don't know if if the mythology is the same around the world but um well yeah yeah. yes probably some is and some isn't but yeah that was the first thing i thought of was uh the furnace sets they must really like the Perna sets
0: I, I I'd, I'd like to be adventurous and think that there's a, a common thread through many historical things and and mythology and and so it's something that people I think can kind of get a handle on you know you can you can you can identify with me oh well you know that's like kind of like a story I heard when I was a kid or this right or that, things like that but
2: I guess someone needs to come out with a uh, mythology set specific for, for China yep Guess so. <laughs> <laughs> a worldwide one from from each area. Oh, yeah, now that would be interesting too. Illustrated, particular story. Very interesting. So could
0: now, I- once this podcast has been released, you're going to see.
2: This is be yeah, so- <laughs> exactly exactly. Well, we trademarked it here, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We mentioned it
0: first. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think you have a you have an engagement that you need to be at. Am I not mistaken?
2: I have a little bit of extra time. I have, Okay, uh, great. Yeah.
0: Is there anything you would like to share about how you got into cards? How you, how, Where did you find sketch cards for the first time? What was your first encounter with that?
2: Well, I got into cards, like probably half the other people that are listening via Star Wars. Um, yeah. I was, you know, I'm old enough that I remember the, the original Star Wars coming out and I bought a It was a big deal buying a box of cards in 1976 for the first uh, Star Wars movie. Um, And that's that was my entry point. As far as sketch cards go, I guess, you know, I was already working at the magazine when sketch cards came around. So, um, you know, I remember back in the early 90s when everyone was trying to figure out what the next kind of insert card was was it going to be a prism card was it a um hologram was it this that or the other thing and you know there were a lot of things that were done and sketch cards were one of the things that that just really caught on but it was kind of organic because it was one of several things that that were tried and uh it's like that's the one that really caught on
1: when
0: was that again
1: yeah. was
2: amazed um that the
1: old star wars that's i'm always amazed that the. The, the value of them doesn't seem to be
2: that high. Well, the, the original Star Wars really is high. I mean, the, oh, like, yeah. if, you had, if you had a box of the original Star Wars cards right now, you could get good money for it, like really good money, because um, they, they are hard to find. Some of the later series, the later original series might not be worth as much, but the first series packs and boxes and things like that have really started to go up. Um, and what was your question, Ingrid? i um, was I,
0: the when when were the first sketch cards
2: that oh I, I, well out? i don't know you guys should know that more than me it's well especially somebody that's written a book about <laughs> um,
0: well it's because i've discovered that uh yeah i'm giving you crap it's not, but it's not no no it's not set in stone and and no of,
2: it's definitely not i think there's some controversy about well that's who, exactly who created at first yes yeah and so I'm you're trying really, to get me to commit to, yes <laughs> <laughs> I'm not falling for it <laughs> uh, no I know I know there there's um, there's definitely some controversy about what the first sketch card was and who made it so I don't know but you know it was I guess around that early 90s time or, or something like that
0: you really don't want to commit eh?
2: well I just I don't even know I I I really don't know um but uh
0: I had heard it was like I think a fleer set or something Uh, right probably baseball I think Hmm. but I'm not sure now I have to go back and again it seems to be contested here there and everywhere and it depends on who you ask and I don't know either I was alive at that time but I i'd like to say i was young but um uh, i didn't collect all that much at that time so i, I got yeah, to
2: see the cards have really come a long way i mean she's so a look at some of those early ones you know with just the line art drawings and things like that and now some of the ones are just so intricate and i mean i mean not any not i can't draw anything but so who am i to say anything but um some of the ones now are just such pieces of miniature art it's amazing
0: it's fun to see everyone's different spin on things but of course that's a whole uh, and and you know we've been recording a lot of podcasts now (laughs) well relatively speaking it's it's um it it's it's a good thing and a bad thing because it takes time for people to do such you know colored cards and everything and uh you know we're not paid very much of course which is okay because you know you, you do get something out of it. It's it's that's fine, but it makes the job really really difficult to do. And it's it's um, and companies always want more from you, of course. So it can be a, right. little, uh, a little bit difficult. Lindsay is a newbie at all of this. She's only been in it for what two years
1: now. Twenty nineteen was my first Star Wars set. Three years. Okay. Went from there. It's been going great. It's just getting better and better. <laughs> but i love it I, like um when i work on a big piece it takes me a while to to get the enthusiasm to keep working on it but little tiny pieces where i can do three or four in a day oh yeah really Some enjoy it. Are
0: great for uh for uh, people with short attention spans like ourselves yeah
2: well and it's something you know that to, to be get started on something and be done with it you know yeah um, I like, one of your bigger pieces can take days and days. And like you just said, you know, finding the enthusiasm to keep going is. So come.
0: you first got into sketch cards, like, and uh, with the star Wars sets and all of that, do you collect any sports cards at all?
2: Uh, my family has, uh, you know, a pretty decent sports card collection. I was never a sports card collector. Uh, I mean, one of the other ways I kind of got started was my brothers collected sports cards and we would we would go to a lot of flea markets and things like that, which I guess you guys don't call them flea markets there in the UK. Oh, we do special appearance. Oh, you do? Yeah. Yep.
1: car boot, and flea markets.
2: Right. Right. Um, So when we would buy um, some sports cards, like a, a small collection of sports cards, there would always be some non-sports in them there would be like a few adams family cards or beatles cards or something like that that were just kind of shoved to the side and uh at one point my mother said why don't you round up the the non-sports and see what you can do with them you know and i was i don't know how old, maybe 10 or something um at that point point. and that was another way that kind of got me interested in in the non-sports
0: what kind of cards would you like to see that haven't been
2: released yet That's a good question, too. You know, well, I don't know that you can come up with anything that hasn't been released, but I'd love to see more music cards. We don't really have many music cards right now. The hobbies kind of run hot and cold with that. But that's just personally, since I have an interest in music. Um, And I think it's probably a hard set to produce because of all the licensing that's involved. I don't
1: know. Beyond... I don't know if it'd work differently with music and things like that. What's um, that? The licensing and everything. Um, I don't know how many channels you have to go through to get, you know, music. A license. Yeah, to... I think
2: you, you know, you'd probably have to get all the management companies on board and all the bands, and it'd probably be a. Uh, if it was covering a lot of different bands or whatever, it would probably be a licensing nightmare. But maybe covering a single entity it'd be easier, but we just don't really see too much of that anymore. And that's, that's kind of a shame. Um, I would
1: say uh, comic book trading cards, you know, from, you know, like Sandman, Preacher, that kind of thing. But I just don't think the, the, we were talking to Chris, wasn't we? Chris Mixon. He said the market's not quite big enough with those things to be able to, you know, make a massive set.
0: Which nicely yeah. leads into my next qu- question, Lindsay. We we did. It's almost like we practiced it. Um, what do you think of, <laughs> what do you think of the contrast between big publishing companies and small publishing companies when it comes to trading card sets and sketch card sets?
2: Well, that's a good question. I, I um, it's great that they both exist. I mean, you're not going. Uh-huh. Like- uh-huh. somebody agrees with me. <laughs> I mean, you're just not going to get a smaller company able to produce uh, the new television show. It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be possible for them to be able to afford the licensing fees like that for the latest. I'm trying to think of uh, the Big Bang Theory or something like that. You're not going to be able to get um, a Perna Studios to produce that. They probably wouldn't even want to. But um, and uh, by the same token, you know, they're. TOPS is not interested in producing a small run set that is of interest to collectors. You know, it's just not feasible for them. It wouldn't make enough money for them It wouldn't be worth their time. So both are both are very necessary. You do
0: think that there is a a fertile ground, a healthy way for big companies and small companies to coexist. And definitely. And maybe there's room for more, even. Do you think? Or could yeah, it, I or think there is
2: room for more. I think um, right now we're. I feel like we're kind of in transition. We need, we need uh, somebody to step up and produce some of the bigger sets. We don't seem to have as much of that right now. Um, what do you, you mean know, by you that? Know, what's that? What do you mean by that? Stepping up. Well, to uh, Cryptozoic hasn't been doing as many licenses that they were really doing. Um, A lot of the big television shows and movies and things like that, they haven't been doing quite as many. I'd love to see them picking up some more licenses or somebody else. Uh, Topps is, you know, maintaining their stable of Star Wars and things like that. But we need uh, we need someone else to be doing some of these cool Netflix shows or things like that. And um, there's so many new, really cool toys out there. It's yeah. it, it so much fun.
0: As you say, I'm imagining the licensing could be like super complicated. And after working so many years for tops and hearing about how hard it can be to work with, with a company um, with, uh, then you need also the, uh, the, the movie or TV studio or whatever. And then sometimes all the individual actors right. it must be like, Oh my God! It must be incredible.
2: Yeah, uh, that's how I feel too. I, I get. I have not. I don't have the patience for small things, so I cannot imagine having the patience to do that kind of a project. But um, that's why you need a company like Tops to to make those kinds of sets. And like I said, by the same token, I don't see them making a mythology set or something like that.
0: No, no. So there is room for everyone, and all these creative people out out there even if it's a, just a small thing you can find your crowd i think okay eh?
2: right i agree you know um,
1: like it, if you approached an actor and and had photographs provided from them of them not not in their in their role or anything but collectors might still be interested in that because the, yeah. they They wouldn't need license from anything. No, just uh,
2: just like you said, you're you're really, you know, you're thinking hat on there. I mean, you you would definitely not want them to be in their roles because that would be problematic. But, yeah, if you had shots of the actor, I I think you could do that, especially if you had um, got the actor to do a couple of autograph cards or something like that. I hate to say it, but I think something like that would probably be necessary. I think that might be a good route to go down, at least
1: try something like that. Um, Right. I agree. That's but
0: difficult. i might
1: charge you a fortune
2: now. <laughs> well, yeah. well, depends, I guess, it depends on the actor and your relationship with them. If they're, you know, if you happen to know someone, I guess you could do something like that. Uh, Otherwise, for a cause or something like that.
0: Yeah. Otherwise, it would be really hard to actually get through all the, all the walls they have between the people, between the public and themselves. I Right. But Lindsay is is amazing at doing things. She might actually be able to do that.
2: <laughs> well, we'll be watching.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you a <better> go. <laughs> you can only try, can't you? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I'm. I'm. I think we've pretty much come to the end of this. This has been amazing. I can't wait to attend the show next week. Yeah,
1: I'm um, really,
0: really hoping that this this uh, episode will be re- released in a few days. Hopefully, if I can. Get it edited. Um, uh, I, I, mean, can't, I hope that people will take the time to go and visit your show, and really support everybody who is there. Um, I think you guys are going to be having a dinner also, so I don't know That's if people right. are invited to that, but I certainly intend to be there. So
2: yeah, actually, the dinner. Uh, I hope it's kind of a uh, indicative of the crowd. The dinner has sold out at this point. So. Awesome! Awesome. Uh, we're really happy about that. But yeah, we are having the dinner and um, I hope people will support the show too.
0: Well, that's great. There, uh, Lindsay, do you have any questions that you haven't
1: asked yet? Sounds so much fun. I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you have an amazing time though, both
0: of you. Thank well, I'm going nice to
1: try to... Oh, yeah.
0: Well, maybe next year we can arrange something. That would be
1: awesome. Then I couldn't afford a plane ticket. I'm, I'm there. All right.
0: <laughs> We'll, we'll try to, we'll try to figure something out to get you over here. And, All right. and we'll have a, we'll have a podcast thing on the, in the show itself. Yeah. We'll, we'll do a, a live podcast. session. Yeah. That would be awesome. Uh,
1: where, where can people contact you? Um, where can they find more about the show online?
2: Uh, well, you can find more about the show at, at our website, which is phillynon sports Card show. It's like the longest URL in history, but it's <laughs> Philly non-sports with the dash in the middle. Card show. Uh, we're also on Facebook at uh, Facebook. Um, just look up Philly show. We're under Philly show on Facebook. Um, I'll pop the links in non-sport sport update. I'll is at I'm sorry. I'll pop all these links in. The description. Okay. Yeah. Non-sport update is at nonsportupdate.com, which also is kind of the same place for Facebook. Okay. And uh, if you message any of those, you'll, you'll likely get me.
0: Okay. Great. That's fantastic. I've taken note of all of that. Thank you so much for having taken time out of your day to talk to us.
2: No problem. Thank you
0: very
1: much for having me on the show. My it's million. been so fun. And as,
2: as I say, just such good luck for, for next week. Thank you. And we look forward to seeing you in 2023 at the show.
0: Yep. We're going to work on that plan, we're going to make it happen. <laughs> okay
2: all right thank you bye. so much Harris. all right thanks Goodbye, bye bye
0: thanks for listening to the podcast please leave a review wherever you listen this helps people find us all links to guests or sites mentioned will be in the show notes you can find lindsay on facebook at lindsay grayling sketch cards or search for cartoon cosplay you can find me at ingridkvhardy.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash ingrid.kv.hardy. This podcast is independently funded, meaning the costs come from our pockets. If you'd like to help with even just a couple of dollars, become a patron at patreon.com slash ingridhardy. Music and audio editing for this podcast is done by Victor Besset. If you have any feedback on today's episode or want to suggest a question of the week, email us at thepenciledpodcast at gmail.com, tweet us at InPenciled on Twitter, or on Instagram where we are, at The Penciled Podcast. We'd love to
1: hear from you. Thank <music> you.